Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with the reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber, and the attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. As Rittenhouse was the undisputed shooter of all three men, his legal team argued that the shootings were in self-defense. In our last episode, we continued our look at Prosecutor Thomas Binger's direct examination of Ryan Balch, as Balch described the final moments before he lost track of Kyle Rittenhouse, which immediately preceded the defendant's deadly encounter with Joseph Rosenbaum. In this episode, we conclude our look at Binger's questioning of Balch. And that's all coming up right after the break. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. We continue our look at Prosecutor Thomas Binger's direct examination of Ryan Balch with his questioning of the witness about video recorded by Corey Washington near the pumps and gas price sign of the ultimate gas station on Sheridan Road. In the clip, we can see Ryan Balch standing under the sign. As the camera pans, we see Kyle Rittenhouse running into frame from the right and out of frame to the left, not far away from where we previously saw Balch. What we've just seen in that video, it showed you uh, walking uh, near the the gas price uh, electronic sign there for the ultimate gas station. Uh, would you agree with me on that? I would. And you appear at the end here to kind of walk behind that uh, almost at the corner of 60th and Sheridan. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. Did you just see the defendant run through the screen? I saw him, yes. Uh, now, you had testified earlier that when you were at the ultimate gas station, you were looking for him. It appears that you were within 10, 15 feet of him. Did you see him at that time? No. If you had seen him, what would you have done? I would have went with him. Is it after this point then that you returned to the 59th Street car source? I headed in that direction, yes. And you said you didn't make it there because why? Uh, shooting started. Binger then prompts Balch to describe his actions in the moments leading up to his hearing the shootings. I headed across 60th. The Bearcats were right here. When I got there, a sheriff's deputy held me over to the car. I met the Bearcat. He opened the door. I sat there and had a two to three minute conversation with him, maybe about what was going on over there. At that point, he directed me to go behind the Bearcats to go across the street. At about that point, I moved west across Sheridan Road. When I got there, I turned to go north, and that's when I heard a pistol shot. And then almost immediately following it, I heard four rifle shots. What did you do then? I turned and headed south. Where did you go? Towards where I'd heard the shooting. Balch is then asked to show the jury where he was on the courtroom map, and Binger follows up with a description for the record. I was right around in here, and I ran across the street into this green area here, telling everybody to get down. And then I got to the end, overlooking this area here, there's like a low wall. And then shooting erupted 
behind me over in this general area. You're pointing to the area along Sheridan Road, south of 60th, sort of in front of the Boost Mobile and Check and Go? Correct. The prosecutor then asks the witness to break down the events based on the knowledge that he has gained since the shootings regarding the identities of the various individuals and their locations at the time the shots were fired. Again, we're going to try and play this artificial uh, thought process. Um, right. I know you probably know now what that was, but let me just ask, first of all, at the time, the shooting you just described, at that time, that night, did you know what was going on? I had no idea what was going on. With the benefit of hindsight and watching all the other videos now, what what was that, if you know? Um, the first shooting that I heard, the pistol shot and the rifle shots, whereas the engagement between the defendant and Rosenbaum and the people that were with him down here. The secondary shootings would have been Anthony Huber and Gage Gorowitz. Is that Gage Grosskreutz? Grosskreutz, yes. Okay, it's kind of a difficult name. Can I just ask, do you know if the shootings of Huber and Grosskreutz were further north of where you were at on Sheridan or further south, if, if you know? It sounded like they were coming from behind me, so they would have been to the north. While the relevance of this line of questioning to the prosecution's theory of the case is unclear, Finger plays a clip from a video recorded by an independent reporter named Brendan Gutenschwager, who operates under the social media handle BG on the scene. The video captures Ryan Balch in the immediate aftermath of the shootings of Huber and Grosskreutz. In the audio, we hear Grosskreutz shouting for a medic. We also see in the video that Balch was mistaken when he said that he was south of the locations of Huber and Grosskreutz when the shootings took place. That would appear to be me. That's you, isn't it? Yeah. You're actually, at this point, north of where the Huber and Grosskreutz shootings occurred. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. So when you said earlier you were south of it, it turns out you were actually north. Yeah. We can see in this video that the defendant, Kyle Rittenhouse, is walking up the street after he has just shot and killed Anthony Huber and just shot Gage Grosskreutz in the arm. At the time... And I know with the benefit of hindsight, you've watched these things, but at that particular moment, had you any idea what had just happened? No. Did you see those shootings? No. Did you see the defendant? No. You've been trained in the military, been around shootings before, fair to say? Yes. How is it possible that you didn't see those things? Um, I wasn't looking down the street when it happened. Did you hear those gunshots? Yes. Did they draw your attention to that area? Yes. Did you look? Yes. So how come you say you didn't see? Um, because by the time I got that far close enough to see it, everything was done. Did you see the body of Mr. Huber? Yes. At what point when you're Moving down the street, did you see him? See that body? Um, after I got to Grosskreutz, 
Um, when I got down there, Jason Lakowski was helping put a tourniquet on his arm. Um, there's actually a video of that where I come around the side and ask everybody's all right if they got it. Saw the wound on Grosquit's arm. Holy crap. And then I ran over to check Anthony Hubert's body. When we've played this video before, we've heard a lot of people's voices shouting out about the defendant. Uh, you know, that's the guy, whatever, things like that. Did you hear any of those voices at that time? Um, I wasn't really trying to pay attention to what they were pointing out. When in this process did you realize that an individual or individuals, people, had been shot? Well, I'd heard the shooting, so I knew that there was shooting going on. I didn't know anybody had actually been hit until I got to gross quits. Is it fair to say that this wasn't the first time all evening that you'd heard gunshots? We had heard them a couple of times throughout the night. When you would hear gunshots, would you wonder if that meant someone was injured? Um, most of the time they were far enough in the distance that there would be very little impact from us going in that direction. I think you testified earlier that what originally started you heading south was hearing the pistol shot and the four shots that occurred at Car Source and 63rd. Correct. And that, according to the map, is about three blocks away. Correct. You talk about hearing other gunshots that are in the distance. Why did the shots here three blocks away attract your attention when others did not? They were a lot closer than the other ones had been, and there was the potential that people that I was with that night were down there. Did you think to yourself, that's the defendant? No. Did you know where he was at? I didn't know where he was at, but I didn't assume who had been doing the shooting. When we see you in this video, is that after you have looked for the defendant? Yes. When we see you in this video, did you have any idea where the defendant was? No. When we see you in this video, had you checked at Ultimate Gas to see yes. if the defendant was there? Yes. Did you find him? No. When we see you in this video, had you already traveled north of the police line at 60th? Yes. Had you seen the defendant up there? No. Is it fair to say that at this moment in the video, you didn't have any idea where the defendant was? I had no idea where he him or Jason Lakowski were. And even though he's walking up the middle of the street, near where you're at at this point in the video, you didn't see him. I didn't pay any attention to him, no. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. While Ryan Balch claims he paid no attention to Kyle Rittenhouse, who was only a few yards away from him, nor, he asserts, did it occur to him that the defendant had fired his weapon, he acknowledges that he found another associate, Jason Lakowski, tending to gauge Grosskreutz, and went so far as to assume that it was Lakowski who shot Grosskreutz. Who is the first person who's shot by the defendant that you went to? Grosskreutz. Did you help to treat him at all? I made sure that 
Lukowski had everything under control. I saw that he had a handgun in his hand. I already knew that a pistol shot had been fired and some rifle shots. I kind of assumed he was the person that shot the pistol shot. But as far as who had shot him, I had no idea. In fact, for a minute there, I thought it was Lukowski. Who had shot Mr. Grosskreutz? Yeah, because he was already there. After you dealt with Mr. Grosskreutz, what did you do next? I ran over to Anthony Huber. Tell us about that. He was laying kind of slumped over in the gutter a little bit there in the street. Um, There were a couple of protesters kind of around him. When I ran up on him, they ran off. I started to roll him over, check on him, put my hand on his neck to see if there was a pulse or whatnot, and didn't feel one, but it was really just like a split-second check, and then the Bearcat pulled up next. When you say Bearcat, you mean one of the armored law enforcement vehicles? And what, if anything, did those folks do? They climbed out. They told me they were going to take him. They were going to take him, so I kind of gathered up his stuff that was laying on the ground, put it on him, Helped him load him up in there. What did you do next? I continued south. Now, I know you described what you've done so far with Mr. Huber uh, lying there. Did Mr. Huber say anything? Mr. Huber was deceased, as far as I'm aware. And you said you continued south after that? Correct. Where did you go? I went to the 63rd Street location. You had testified that when you went down to the 63rd Street location, you saw that plastic bag on the ground. Is that right? Yes. I'm going to have an image of that up on the screen, and I'd like you to take a look at that when it's ready here. After a tedious two-minute technical delay, an image of Joseph Rosenbaum's hospital bag lying on the pavement of the 63rd Street car source lot appears on the screen. Mr. Balch. There's an object on the ground on the left side of this uh, view screen. Do you see that object? Yes. Can you identify that for us? Oh, that's the uh, plastic bag that I picked up to take a look at. That's the one that Mr. Rosenbaum threw. Is that correct? Correct. A couple more things finally. Um, After all is said and done here, uh, you stayed at this location and spoke to some individuals who were from the media. Is that fair to say? Uh, we kind of got ambushed by them. Well, make it sound like they were trying to attack you. They they came up and were... Yeah, they came up out of nowhere, and we weren't expecting them. When you say we, who was with you? Uh, Jason Lukowski was with me. When they asked, when these folks asked you your name, what did you tell them? I gave them a false name of Thomas Craig. Why did you do that? Protect my identity so that I could get out of there and figure out what was going on. There were folks there that showed you video of what had happened that night. Yes. In those view screens, were you able to see the defendant? One of the live streamers did show me a picture of the defendant when he was laying on the ground, being struck on the head, I believe, when he fired his weapon. From that... Were you able to identify that that was someone that you had been with? Yes. That evening. Did you admit that? To them, no. In fact, when they confronted you on it and accused you of knowing exactly who that was, you lied to them and told them you did not. Correct? Correct. And when I discussed this with you, you gave me the explanation that because you were concerned for your safety at that time? Um, Yeah, we were surrounded by several people, 
and there were groups of them milling around us as well. At that moment that you lied about knowing the defendant, you still had your AR-15, correct? Correct. And your Glock? No, I didn't have the Glock at this time. And Mr. Lukowski was with you? Yes. Was he armed? Yes. Were there police cars nearby? Further down the street from us, yes. But they were dealing with the shootings and whatnot. Once you were informed that the defendant was the one who had been involved in these shootings, was a suspect, did you approach the police that night and tell them about your information? No. I have nothing further. We will assess the effectiveness of Prosecutor Binger's direct examination of Ryan Balch in our weekly recap. Moreover, on our next episode, we will continue our exploration of Balch's testimony with defense attorney Mark Richards' cross-examination of Balch. But that concludes this installment of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You can find more information about this trial at our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced by Chris Taracone and Aaron Karenik, and it was edited by Chris Taracone. Our consulting producer is Brittany Bookbinder. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and Trial Audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse.